Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, I hope and pray that you're not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King. And as Jesus himself said, which was recorded by the eyewitnesses, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Well, welcome to ATR Apologetics Talk Radio. I'm your host, Marty Minto, and what a blessing it is to be with you here today on this program. A lot of people have been asking already, why uh, Apologetics Talk Radio? Why ATR? Why, why did you change the name from the Marty Mento Show? Well, i got to be honest with you. It goes back a long, long time ago when uh, I really, God laid this burden on my heart uh, for doing um, talk radio. And I go back to the very beginning, which my very first program was actually in a um, country-slash-NASCAR-slash-kind uh, uh, of, uh, you know, one of those radio stations that have a little bit of everything on there, but it's just a small, tiny radio station. And I never wanted it to be the Marty Minto Show, ever. Matter of fact, it became the Marty Minto Show after I really got into Christian talk radio for some time, uh, it was advised by those out there that you're the personality, you're the man behind the mic. So the name of the show, you know, just like the big boys do at Rush Limbaugh and the rest of them, it should be the Marty Minto Show. But I always struggled with that because what if Marty Minto, you know, no longer exists? You know, I go into eternity or I can't do radio. Then what, you know, it's kind of weird to have the Marty Minto Show with somebody else behind the mic, not to mention most likely it, it wouldn't be the Marty Minto Show. Down deep inside, I've always wanted something that will carry on beyond uh, the days of my life here on the earth, that somebody else could pick it up and, and run with it. Well, ATR, Apologetics Talk Radio, to me, really makes uh, the greatest sense. And I'll tell you why. Because when it comes to Apologetics Talk Radio, the three things that uh, I've always talked about for years, and I still do now, is that, that we want to learn the Word of God together so that we're able to teach others and we're able to defend the truth when lies come about. And there's much that is being said today that is just not true. So Apologetics Talk Radio is simply is where lies are laid to rest under God's truth. And that's what it's all about. And I want this to be a format in which we can talk about things and deal with issues and subjects, and we can go right to God's Word, which I've done in the past, but again, you know, simply put, it's just been that burden. I want, I want to something that can carry on. That somebody, maybe someday, as God would lead them, would carry on ATR into the future when I'm no longer here. Because I, I don't know. I, you know, some people have asked, "Do you think Jesus is going to return before your time on Earth is done?" I'm not sure, but I do know this much: each and every day, it's my responsibility. It's my privilege my passion to present the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to defend the faith, to help people to grow, to show them the errors of their ways by going to the Word of God. 
And it's not according to me, it's according to God's holy word. And that's what should be on the forefront and the focus of our lives as Christians. We should take people back to the Bible. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago, many years ago, I used to love listening to Dr. Woodrow Kroll. Uh, he used to be the man behind the mic and, and the really the voice and the leader of Back to the Bible. And, and I tell you truthfully, I used to really enjoy listening to Dr. Kroll because he just, everything was so precise, uh, simplistic, but yet at the same time deep. Uh, he would take people to the Word of God. And he is retired now, no longer doing back to the Bible radio, but he does speak, I believe, uh, you know, in different conferences across America. But he's just one of the men that always stick out in my mind that have just made such an impact. And that's what I want from ATR. I want ATR to make an impact. And uh, so that's why, you know, simply put, that's why we changed the name. And that's why we're going to continue in this vein uh, as long as I can, as long as God gives me breath and ability to do so. And so hopefully that'll clear up any misconceptions or reasons why, et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, whatever. Some people say, well, Marty Minto's too controversial. That's why they don't want, you know, that's why he's changing. Now it has nothing to do with that at all. Uh, it, it just has to do with what the ministry is truly about. Well, I am excited, and and the reason I am excited because today I'm really I'm I'm impassioned today because of something that has been bothering me that I just want to kind of start off the 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 new series here of ATR with to help many of you out there understand some things. Uh, first of all, one of the things that I came to realize and I still hold dear to is the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission that is found in Matthew chapter twenty-eight. And I know that many of you out there are very familiar with the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, simply put, is Jesus' instructions uh, to the 12, or actually the 11 at that time, before he left the earth, um, of what was expected of them. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, in Mark's gospel, if you go clear back in the end of the book of Mark, chapter 16, uh, you'll read these words, and um, he says here, he said to them in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 16, 15, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, uh, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Uh, we have the Great Commission, and the first part of the Great Commission, this is not about the Great Commission. It, it is and it isn't. It, it's, the very first thing is we're told to do is go. Have you ever really thought about that? Why we are to go? And uh, this has been one of my issues for so long when it comes to the visible church, when it comes to uh, Christianity today, that I just have a hard time grasping why this command, this instruction, the very first step in making disciples is to go, and why we don't go. Uh, matter of fact, just recently, I found myself uh, sitting, um, listening to a message from a preacher, a, a, a wonderful brother in Christ, 
but at the same time, he preached a message that I have heard so many times uh, preached this way that I, I find myself confused only because of what is not in the text and what is presented by so many Bible teachers and preachers that just doesn't line up. It just doesn't line up with what it says in the text. And uh, this thing has been bothering me, and it's actually in Luke chapter 19. Now, Luke chapter 19 is one of my favorite um, uh, passages to preach from, because I really believe that there is much in this passage for us to learn. But in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, is the story of Zacchaeus. You know, that wee little guy. The guy that was, you know, found himself going up into a sycamore tree and, you know, looking for Jesus the whole nine yards. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this today is because I, I think there's still much confusion in regards to the nature of man. When we, when we talk about natural man, we talk about everyday people, there seems to be really this misconception and I've heard it put in many different ways over the years. Like, for instance, some people have said that there is a hole or there is a void in every human being, and there's a missing piece of the puzzle. And the only person that can fill that void, that only you know, the only piece that can really fulfill the puzzle is Jesus. And because of that void, that you know, because of that emptiness. Uh, man has this longing, this desire, this, you know, this within him, this, he, he wants to find Jesus. He wants to find God. He, he has to, and this motivates him and this guides him and directs him right to the one who has the answer. But the problem with that is it doesn't line up with scripture. And this is the thing that has bothered me for years because I, if you've if you paid attention to anything that I've said over the time period, over the years, even uh, on the Marty Mento Show podcast, even though we just changed the name, uh, the truth of the matter is I, I talked about um, how to study and understand God's Word. And one of the principles in, in studying and understanding God's Word is truly that context is everything. Uh, we, If we miss the context, we've missed the whole entire passage in its proper interpretation. Also with that, we have to understand that words have meaning. When we come to a task, text, we have to read the text for what it says. Uh, we got to be careful not to spiritualize the text and create it and, and try to make it uh, be something, you know, kind of spiritual that it's not, you know, we, we take it for what it is. Um, you know, we don't try to, to create something that's not there and, and to make it kind of, you know, wooing and wowing in, for us emotionally, spiritually, et cetera, et cetera. Nor can we add to the text. We can't create things and put things in there because we think it makes common sense, nor can we take things away. We have to let God's Word speak to us. And God does so, and we know he, you know, different type of language, euphemisms, hyperbole, uh, you know, the parables. We have to understand what those things are about when we're studying God's Word. Well, again, just recently, I was listening to this man, and he was sharing this story about Zacchaeus and Jesus. And I found myself, once again, wanting to stand up, actually, in the church, which would be a big no-no. I mean, you just, you just don't do that. I want to sometimes, 
Uh, my wife reminds me uh, with the proverbial, you know, elbow into the side of the rib uh, uh, to settle down and behave. But there are times it's not because I'm right, but because it's what God's word says and what it doesn't say. And so often we try to make the Bible say what we want it to say. And by doing so, we fall into error. And again, I I don't want to keep on going on in that, but it's true. I I think the principles of good, solid Bible study and and, and understanding and interpretation is something that's missing today uh, big time within the visible church, which bothers me. Because a lot of times it comes from men who've been in pulpits for many, many years. And I I told my son this just the other day. I'm just convinced. He asked me, he said, Dad, why? Why is it like this? And I've got to be honest with bad instruction. A lot of these men have not been given good, solid uh, instruction in how to study and understand God's Word. And, and so, you know, you have those out there, too. I've dealt with this for many years uh, in Christian radio, where you have these men who are called by God, and some of them don't even go to any type of school and, and do anything. They just pick up the Bible, and God's called them, and they start preaching. And quite often, in most cases, a lot of things they say is just an error, and a lot of it's out of ignorance. But the problem is, is when you are a Bible teacher, when you are a pastor, when you are shepherding people, you someday will give an account to God, just like I believe all of us will. And I I, got to stress this. If we are believers, and we are to learn so that we can instruct others. What we believe and why we believe it is of the utmost importance, because someday we'll give an account to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think about the years that I was a pastor, a Bible teacher. I'm not saying that everything I said was an error, but I often think back because I know that after a particular time period, there was a time in which Christ saved me. My life turned upside down. The way I studied God's Word changed dramatically. It was like night and day. And I think back of the things that I once said, uh, which I have to be honest with you, I have confessed before God, I have repented and asked God to forgive me because I have been frightened even though I don't have Uh, those messages, quote-unquote, available to me, I can't go back and redo them. But I know that there were things that I believed and things that I said that just were not true. And I guess I fell into the category of so many other men. I just did what, you know, what I heard other people talking about and, you know, and, uh, you know, what I grew up with and not really studying the Word of God for myself. So anyways, i, I got to get move on here. I, I know this. I don't want to keep on going on, but we all have a responsibility before God. We all will give an account. And I've said to people I, I, down deep inside, I know that that is something that I tremble about because even as one who knows truly his salvation today, I am concerned that each and every time I open my mouth to teach somebody that I am speaking truth, God's truth. It's not my truth. It's his truth. But I have to rightly divide it, because if I don't, I wrongly divide it. I could lead people astray. And I can say, and I think the task, that's why, to me, the shepherd, when it comes to the church, should be a man of God who really spends 
quality uh, and quantity amount of time in the Word of God. No matter how many years they've been in ministry, this is of the utmost importance. Not whether or not you go visit uh, Miss Smith and her problem with her ingrown toenail. Uh, you know, not that we don't care about her and we pray for her, not that we can't visit her, but in some churches, you know, I've heard it's it's been said, and I've been there myself, where, where men, you know, find themselves being criticized because they're not visiting enough. They're not, you know, being a part of the church enough. They're, they're spending too much time uh, in their study in the Word of God, which I think is hogwash. And the reason is because a true man of God realizes how important it is to spend that quantity and quality of time in the Word of God. They understand what it means to feed the sheep. They understand the importance of this. Uh, and, and again, then you have the issue of the focus on the music and everything else that goes on. But, but again, down deep inside, I'm just telling you, from personal experience, there is no greater responsibility, privilege, and joy, but yet with fear to open the Word of God and to teach people, because we must teach them accurately. And so that brings me back to this passage. Um, we have this mentality, we've lost sight, and, and I really believe it's because the world and the ways of the world, especially, you know, corporate America and the way that, you know, businesses are run, we have accepted many practices into the visible church today, a mindset that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And, and let me get to what I'm saying here. We believe that people are really seeking after God. We believe, well, I shouldn't say we, using myself, but there are many who believe and I think the number is staggering that there are these people everywhere you turn, every human being is longing for God, and they want to find God, and they'll do whatever it takes to find God. But yet we realize that that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And that's what I kind of just want to hit here briefly today and kind of help everybody understand this from a perspective that really will be helpful to all of us. The one thing that separates us from God, the thing that really is the key to it all, is sin. I cannot stress this enough. Sin separates. God is holy and man is not. And so because of that separation, there are obviously results of the separation. We know, and I just shared this the other day, it's, it's ironic too, I just shared the other day with a pastor, I said to him, listen, uh, brother, here's what I really believe. You've heard me say this, you've known me for years, I've said this before, I'll say it again, and probably till the day I die, honestly. The issue with the church today is not understanding Genesis chapter 3. Actually, it starts in chapter 2, but chapter 3 is the pinnacle. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, you don't understand natural man, you don't understand uh, the nature of man, you don't understand that what took place and what it did between God and man when it comes to what we call sin and how serious sin is. We just don't, we don't recognize it. We, 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 and I find many people still believe that we're no different than Adam and Eve. 
Uh, and that's not true. I, a young man, I, I was so just tickled to death. There was a young man, um, and I, I want to be careful with all the details, but I was introduced to this young man by a family member. And this young man is a, um, he's in high school, and he goes to a, a church. He grew up going to church, and he's in a youth group. And it's amazing to me when I was talking to him, um, though he has questions about things and things he doesn't understand, he really pays attention in youth group to the youth group leader, the pastor, you know, the guy who's teaching the class, which kind of thrilled me because, you know, the truth of the matter is I think back when I was his age, I was more concerned about the pretty girls in the class probably than what was being said, even though I have to say in my Sunday school class, a man who really impacted me, I really uh, I really paid attention, even though there still were the pretty girls. But anyways, but I was talking to this young man and he was asking, he was asking some questions. And I, I began to share with him, and he actually went back to Genesis. And I said to him, I said, you do realize that every human being that comes into this world, is they're not like Adam and Eve. And he looked at me, he says, no, I, I don't know what, you're, what, what, what do you mean by that. I said, well, Adam and Eve, they were created in innocence. Until they sinned, they had not known sin. They weren't perfect. There's only one who is perfect, and that is God. God can never, ever, ever sin. God is holy. God is pure. God is light. Um, and obviously what God has created, uh, whether it be angels or mankind, they have the ability to sin. And we know that it took place, obviously, with uh, Lucifer. It took place with Adam and Eve. Other fallen angels, uh, we know the reality. But God is the only one who's perfect. God is the only one who's without sin. And as I was talking to this young man, I said, you know, there is a reason behind that because there will always be a distinction. God is the creator, and we are his creation. Now, I don't have time to get into it. God can't be blamed for sin. But at the same time, we have to realize that God is God. He always existed, always will be. But at the same time, what he has created is distinct. We're distinct from the angels. The angels are distinct from us. Animals are distinct. I mean, we can go on and on. You can see this in the Bible. There, there are distinctions. We are the only, only created beings that are created in the image of God. And again, we have to properly understand that. But as I get into this Genesis chapter 3 with them, I said, but after the fall, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they disobeyed a command. Sin separated man from God. And you see the results. First of all, you see that there was at one point in time seemed to be a very healthy relationship between God and man and the communication and the fellowship factor. But once man sinned against God, where is man? Man is hiding from God. And that is something that always just got me. Every time I look at these uh, Genesis chapter 3, I begin to realize this reality. Uh, it says in verse 10, um, well, I'll start with 9, the Lord God called a man and said to him, where are you? Now, first of all, God knew where he was. 
God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knew exactly where man was. But listen to what Adam said. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Before he goes on to being naked, he's telling God, I'm afraid of you. Why? Because we re- he realized what he did. He realized that he was disobedient. He broke the command of God. And that sin factor now, they, they knew they were naked. And, I, and I, it says here, so I hid myself. And you know the story goes on, and, and I don't want to get in and breaking down the story today because I don't want to get off from really what this, what this um, podcast is about today. But the truth of the matter is, because of sin, because of what took place, we no longer have a man in this wonderful, uh, intimate relationship, the creation with the Creator. We have separation. Man isn't seeking after God. I, I, I told this young man, too, you ever noticed in this passage here that Adam never asked God for forgiveness, never seeks his mercy. But what we see is we see God going after man because if God did not intervene, even though he was the offended one, he wasn't the offender, if he didn't intervene towards the offender, then the truth of the matter is all men would experience the wrath of God. All men would be separated from God forever. There would be no hope. There would be nothing. But because of the grace, the mercy of God, we know that in chapter 3, God, again, has to be the one who brings about the reconciliation, even though he is the one who's offended, because there's nothing that man can do. There's nothing that a man can do to make it right. Adam couldn't make it right with God. There's no way to do so. And I could really get deep into that because there's so much in that that we could learn. But going back again, most people don't understand chapter 3. So if you don't understand Genesis chapter 3, you come in to looking at what we're talking about today from a different perspective and truly a non-biblical perspective because you really believe that man has a void, man's hurting, man needs God, so he's seeking after God everywhere he can. That's not true. And that brings me to the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. That's what the Scripture says, nothing more, nothing less. He didn't have a hole in his heart. He didn't have a void. He didn't have a missing piece of the puzzle, and he was seeking after him because he wanted salvation. He wanted restoration. He wanted reconciliation. He wanted this. He wanted that. No. The popularity of Jesus had grown to such a degree that Jesus, I mean, crowds, hundreds to thousands, some believe possible tens of thousands, were following Jesus. The miracles, uh, the way he taught. He wasn't like the scribes. He taught with, as one with authority. He showed compassion and mercy. Uh, people that listened to him all day long, he'd feed them. But the miracles that were taking place, I mean, the, the list goes on, and then you have the factor that many of them thought he would be the one who would take them out out from under the tyranny of the Romans. But the truth of the matter is, that's not why Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. He, he sought him because, hey, he heard like everybody else heard about this guy. He wanted to see who he was. Plain and simple. 
It's like, you know, I hear about certain, you know, high-profile, some would call them stars in Hollywood that I've never met before. I mean, in my little community here, if one of those stars came to town, I may find myself going just to see that person face-to-face, you know, or being able to get a glimpse of that person. But the truth of the matter is, that was the only reason why Zacchaeus uh, did what he did. And he went ahead of the crowd, the Bible says, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree. Why? Because he's smaller in statue. We, we don't know how big he really was, but he climbed up into this tree just to see Jesus, period. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, that's my point, and that's why I am talking about this today. And it's so important for us to understand. The Bible tells us very plain and clearly. I'll read from or excuse me, Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 11. It says, the first part says, there are none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. There's none who seek for God. Now, I got to be honest with you, I don't know why people don't get that. I mean, to me, it's pretty plain and clear. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not something I have to sit and actually ponder for a long period of time. I realize, based upon the Word of God, what we just talked about in Genesis chapter 3 and sin being separating man, uh, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is man doesn't seek after God. God seeks after man. That's why Jesus is called the seeking Savior. Matter of fact, in Psalms chapter 10, verse 4, listen to these words of God. The wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. That's interesting, isn't it? Here we have another example based on the word of God that men don't seek after God. They don't seek for God. They don't, they don't want God. And yet, we today have come to a point in place where we are teaching and believing in the visible church. The men somehow are, you know, they have this void, they have this missing piece, they want God. And then what we do is we come to the Word of God and the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus who's passing through Jericho. He's on his way to, on his journey to the cross into Jerusalem. And we believe that Zacchaeus is longing for reconciliation, salvation, adoption, you know, no. The truth of the matter is, is when we read the story, we began to realize, based upon the Word of God, again, Zacchaeus was up in that tree because he wanted to see Jesus. He never saw him before. He didn't know who he was other than hearing about him. And he wanted to see what the stir was with everybody about this man called Jesus. I mean, it's plain and clear in the Word of God. Again, we don't have to create something. Now, as we read through, and again, I, I'm not going to break down every verse here in Luke 19, 1 through 10. But you'll find here that in the midst of this, that Jesus calls to Zacchaeus, it says, when Jesus came to the place in verse 5, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, now this is interesting. Jesus and Zacchaeus never met before. 
never met before. But see, here's another, just another gem to show us that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He knows who Zacchaeus is. But as we read earlier, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. See, Zacchaeus didn't know him. See, all men come into this world, the Bible says, and all men know that there is a God. Uh, Romans chapter 1, just based upon creation and all that God has created and put together, we know that God exists. But there's more to this. When it comes to the salvation of man and what man, what God has done for man by sending his only begotten Son into the world, we have to go to the Word of God. We have to go to the story. We have to find out who this Jesus is. And see, Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. There was a reason and a purpose. There was a divine meeting that day. And the divine meeting, meeting, excuse me, started with Christ himself. There was a purpose. This this wasn't just happenstance. This wasn't something that just took place and, you know, wow. This was something I really believe on the way to Jerusalem. This was meaningful, purposeful. This was a part of the plan of God. Because he says to him, come down, for today I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house, indicating that this was something that was preplanned. Now, now, if you remember the story, he comes down out of the tree. He received him gladly, and they're on their way walking. We don't know everything that was being said. However, we do know the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus was simply this. He called men to repent and believe in the gospel the good news. In other words, to repent and put their faith and trust in him. And what happened? This shows the miracle of salvation, which I believe is the greatest miracle of all miracles that God brings forth. He takes a publican or tax gatherer. The guy is rich. The guy, I mean, the publicans had their history and all that they did that was wrong. He takes a sinner and he saves a sinner. He rescued Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus became born from above, born again. He was changed. He's no longer the man he used to be. He's a new creature, new creation. The old is past, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. The new thing is from God. God is the one who's at work. And we see in the story here, people are mocking, they're grumbling, because Jesus... Uh, was going to be a guest of a man who's a sinner. And, and I love this because, simply put, we see the repentance in verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said, Lord, he calls him Lord, which, which could be a proper, you know, just terminology like we call somebody sir, but I believe at this point it's much more than that. He says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much this man is truly repentive. He has put his faith, his trust in Jesus. Now, again, we don't know everything that was said, but this is happening from point A to point B on the road. He's passing through Jericho to he gets to Zacchaeus' house. I don't know how long of a travel or trek that was. 
But Jesus said, I must go to your house today. But after Zacchaeus says this, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. He's saved. I mean, you talk about uh, the miracle here. You talk about what took place with this man who was considered a great sinner, especially amongst the Jewish people. That's why they're mocking. That's why they're murmuring. That's why they're talking about this and grumbling, and they're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. He's, gonna, he's actually going to go to this man's house who's a sinner? And you know that Jesus has dealt with this before. Uh, Jesus said that the healthy are not the ones who need a doctor. It's the sick. But look what he says in verse 10. The, the verse 10 is the key. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That, that's why in my Bible, every one I have, I write next to it, Jesus the seeking Savior. Jesus sought after Zacchaeus just like Jesus sought after you and me. We didn't seek after him. He sought after us. I read a sign on a church uh, signboard the other day. It said, salvation begins with repentance, and that's not true. Salvation begins with God. See, the truth of the matter is man wants to get the credit, and I, and I really believe this is one of the reasons why we hear, uh, because of the error not knowing the Scripture, but we want to be in the driver's chair. We, that's why so many people teach it's man seeking after God, man wanting to fill this void, the man wanting to find this missing piece of the puzzle in his life, et cetera, et cetera. But see, it takes all the glory away from God. That's the problem with it. It takes all the glory away from God, and God is the one who must gain all the glory. Salvation belongs to him. God sought after us. God sent his son. Jesus comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus is the one doing it. Now, to wrap this all up here today on ATR, that's what I don't understand today about the visible church. We are to do the same thing. We are, as ambassadors of Christ, we are to go into all the world and make disciples. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We are to go to sinners because sinners won't come to us. Think about it. If people were really seeking after God, what would the church look like today? On a Sunday morning? Sunday evening, Wednesday, whatever day of the week you want to pick. I don't care. What would the church look like? It'd be so packed, it'd be pathetic. You've heard me say this before. We'd have to have five, six, seven services, whatever. I mean, we'd have to have people directing traffic. It would be mayhem if man was seeking after God. Man is not seeking after God. We have to stop believing this nonsense and get back to the Word of God and stand upon the truth. Now, I get passionate about this. I'm not angry. I just get passionate because that's who I am. That's why I believe today the greatest detriment, the reason why we're not seeing evangelism, true biblical evangelism discipleship take place the way we should, is because we can't get the first step right. We can't get the first step, which is to go. We are to go find the lost people. Now, folks, listen to me. They're everywhere. This is not kind of like the game hide-and-seek, and, seek and you, they're kind of hard to find them. They're everywhere. 
Everywhere you turn, people are lost. They're sinners who need a Savior. This is not rocket science. And for as Christians, we should realize that reality, which should motivate us, which should move us to go forward and to tell people about Jesus Christ, to bring them the gospel. Now, again, you know, I I won't get in depth this, but you know the passage in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 lays it out so beautifully for us in the understanding that whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. We know that there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks, for the Lord is the Lord of all. And we know that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Let me stop right there. Take that verse and go backwards of the verses I just said to you. It begins with somebody going. That's the key. Zacchaeus didn't seek after Jesus for salvation. Jesus sought after him. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Distinct, purposeful, plan, God's plan. Why Zacchaeus? Why not other Jews? Why not others who were in Jericho? I don't have the answer to that one other than to tell you that the story here is very plain and clear, and the story is focused around Jesus, who is the seeking Savior. Well, we are today, again, the ambassadors. We are to go into the world to bring the message of reconciliation. We are to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost. We are to seek after people who don't know Christ, just like Christ sought after us. This is the key. And pray that in the days to come, you will tell others and continue to listen to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Minto. Love to hear from you. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Until next time, may God richly bless you and your family. But remember, be obedient to God and go into all the world and preach his glorious gospel message.